Greetings from TG Geeks webcast where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on TGGeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 48 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today I'm really excited to be joined again by Mandy from the WEC podcast. How you doing, Mandy? I'm doing good, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. Um, before we get into what we're going to talk about today, I did want to apologize for um, you may have noticed on your feeds that we skipped episode 46. We went from 45 to 47. And that's because my interview with Jamie Broadnax um, had a lot of audio problems. So uh, it is going to take us multiple weeks <laughs> to get that cleaned up to the point where people can listen to it. The, the good news is is that it is um, it is retrievable. It's just going to take a lot of patience. So I'm tag teaming with a friend who is going to help me edit um, edit that so that it is listenable, and uh, and so we will get that to you as soon as we get it all cleaned up. But it may be multiple weeks. I knew you were going to be doing that interview, and I went online to look for it. I was so excited to listen to it. So I'm glad to hear that it's been saved and and will be coming. Yeah, and and she's an awesome person. I really enjoyed talking to her. I I saw her. Um, at multiple panels at Comic-Con on talking about diversity and geek culture and uh, she's a pretty pretty cool lady so I'm I'm excited that we got that interview and that it, even though it's going to take some cleaning up at, at least we still have it so good good yeah. uh, so that's that but uh, we are here today to talk about female superheroes yay <laughs> and we got this idea because you posted a TED talk uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I thought it would be a perfect uh, closing to our kind of week of geek culture reform and positivity. Yeah, absolutely. Female superhero is always a timely topic, and and Christopher Bell did that TED talk, and as TED talks go, they always make you think, and it was a it was just a wonderful TED talk, very effective in that part. Yeah, so um, we will put a link to that in the notes, and we've got lots of links for you guys in the notes this week. Um, it's going to be a good conversation. But before we get to that, Mandy, we haven't talked to you since episode 30. How are you? I am doing good. I'm very excited to, to be on your show, and I do have my own podcast, the WEC Podcast, and 
we actually met up this past week because we're figuring things out and we've got some new things going on. Um, but I also, I also have another job as most podcasters <laughs> do. Um, can we even call podcasting a job? We, we don't get paid for this. So. <laughs> it would be wonderful, wonderful if we could. I don't know that we can. <laughs> uh, so, um, my day job is as a, dietitian for the Veteran Health Administration. I work at a hospital. And what's cool about this conversation is um, I've been working more and more with some of our real-life female superheroes, um, our female veterans. So it's been it's been kind of an exciting tie-in this past week. That's awesome. I always think that that is a population that um, it's kind of shameful how we uh, do not attend to them the way they need to be attended to because they go and fight for us and for our freedoms and then we kind of kind of don't think about them as often as we should so it's really awesome that you get to work with that population yeah i'm definitely an honor so so what's going on with uh with WEC right now so we finally got together we're figuring things out katie and kelly have started a new series it's called beer books and tea and have you ever read the Discworld series by terry pratchett I haven't, but I know um, I know a couple of listeners who do. I know uh, Raven and EJ from the Girls Gone Wild podcast actually do a convention in London every year. Nice. It's it's like fantastic and absurd fantasy. The highest. It's just really incredible. Um, if you go to Amazon, it says a writer who has been compared to Mark Twain, Kurt Vonnegut, and Douglas Adams. Um, He's and so his first book is Color Magic. So they started a new podcast and they're just going to go. They're just going to talk about different books from the Discworld series, okay. and it's going to be hilarious. I can't wait to. I've been researching superheroes, so I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm going to listen to it today. Um, and then beyond that, Katie and I are going to start a podcast on food history, which sounds kind of lame, but we're going to call it the Story of Food, yo. And <laughs> and uh, because if we can bring fun to food, but we're going to start with the with the boysenberry because that was something that our grandpa grew in the backyard and it has the most interesting history and it's local history too, Southern California history. Um, and then it goes global and it's just it's going to be really fun to talk about the history of food. Like where does our food come from and how does boysenberry even come to be and why can't we find it at the at the grocery store? So. Um, so we're going to talk about all of that, too. And then in November, we're going to get together, back together as a WEC team, because I think we're strongest when we're all together, me and Katie and Kelly and Kevin. And uh, so we're kind of doing all sorts of little offshoots. It's kind of been our theme lately, uh, but we will get back together in November, and I'm, I cannot wait. I, I had so much fun hanging out with them this week. I miss them. So looking forward to that. We're all so busy. It's so hard to get everybody together when you want. I mean, just trying to schedule uh, stuff with the, you know, when you're adding different podcasts. And I'm I'm trying to do a special with um, with Kelly and Ray uh, for for our year anniversary. Um, it, it, it's hard because everybody's so busy. I know it is, and we all have, like we said, real jobs. I mean, we don't get paid for this, so this is on our free time. And our free time is precious, especially like my sister Katie, who's a mom. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's tough. Yeah. So anybody who's listening out there who knows of or uh, wants to hire 
people to come up with amazing podcast ideas and implement them, I've got a pool of people for you. <laughs> you want to pay us a podcast? I can, I can hook you up. <laughs> That's Very awesome. Good. Very cool. Um, what have you done to keep it geeky this week? Okay, this week's been a super geeky week because I've been diving into the topic of female superheroes. So this week I got together with my friend Megan, who was a 90s female superhero fan, and she gave me all these comic books. I literally I have them scattered in piles on my floor mm-hmm. in their beautiful, pristine packets. Um, she gave me... Comics on the Huntress, Batgirl, Supergirl, Lady Rawhide, Lady Pendragon. Um, she even gave me a Preacher comic because she really admired the character Tulip, which was featured heavily in the initial run of Preacher in the 1990s. And of course, her favorite is Wonder Woman. Nice. And yeah, and so so that was a really fun conversation because it it'll probably touch upon some of the themes that we'll get to. Um, but she was kind of, she was really the only female who was a female who was into superheroes at the time. She was kind of alone in this, but she, there was a huge opportunity for her to find comic books that seriously featured only women. Mm -hmm. But she did have to get away from the fact of how they were dressed. She had to kind of ignore that and of how maybe their body sizes weren't realistic. Um, so even though that was an issue for her, it was still a fantastic escape for her in the 90s. So thanks to my friend Megan for that trip. And and I also got together with, I mentioned my WEC mates this week. We're trying to figure out what where WEC is going. And we one of the topics that came up, interestingly enough, was drunk history. Have you heard of this show? I have not. Okay, I hadn't either, but Kelly brought it up, and Kevin knew about it, and so I I spent a little time going on Drunk History, and I have to say I highly recommend it. The cool thing is is that the premiere of the fourth season is coming up this week. It premieres Thursday, right before The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Mm -hmm. so it's at 10.30, and it's basically, they have these comedians who get drunk and who narrate a piece of little-known history, world history, and then they have famous actors who, uh, who basically, there's a, it's a reenactment, and they lip sync what the drunk comedian is saying, and it is absolutely hysterical. The one that I watched was with Matt Gooley was the drunk comedian, and Nathan Fillion played Werner von Braun, a German rocket scientist and former Nazi, and I swear, when this drunk comedian is giving all these facts, you're thinking it's all got to be fiction. He's talking about this Operation Paperclip and and this former Nazi rocket scientist collaborating with Walt Disney to create a a, a show in the 1950s called Man in Space. And you're like, this is this all it has to be fiction. Nope, it's all for real. And and it's hysterical and and so good. And as a matter of fact, in the new season, Lin Manuel Miranda is going to be um, one of the many guest stars. So that sounds so I highly recommend. It sounds like a really fun show that uh, a lot of people would really like. Yes, absolutely. It's very, very cool. So highly recommend that. Um, and I also saw Steven Universe for the first time this week in Keeping It Geek. And 
and we'll probably talk a little bit more about that in the the main part of the segment. But but I had my friend Sarah had brought that show to my attention. It's an animated um, series on the Cartoon Cartoon Network, and it's got so many important themes that have to do with our conversation today. Um, I was just blown away by Steven Universe. Have you ever watched it? I haven't, but as I was reading the articles that you you put the in the show notes, I, I'm like, I, I need to, to throw this into our, our rotation and, and start watching it because it not only does it sound fascinating and kind of different than anything else that I've seen on television, but it, it does have very positive themes that I think we should support and make sure we're we're watching. Yeah, it addresses gender, sexuality, body positivity, race. And this is a show that's geared toward our children. And I think it's probably one of the most important shows out there right now um, in that regard, because it's talking about all these things in an incredibly positive and important way. It's a show created by a woman named Rebecca Sugar. So so maybe we can talk a little bit more about that later. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'm I'm really I'm I'm hoping it's something that uh, Matt will be able to get into too because he's not a big cartoon animated person, but I think because of the themes, um, he'll be a little bit more uh, intrigued by it. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as my week goes, uh, the only video game I've really played this week is Hearthstone. Um, I am back into getting my daily quests done and uh, I'm talking with my my students about them. And uh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it's fun. I I took about a month off and uh, wasn't playing very regularly, but uh, they did a new update and added some new cards, and so it's it's been a lot of fun. I listened to your last podcast with Jules and Marconi, which was amazing, by the way. Those two blew me away. Oh, I just absolutely um, love them. I was so happy that I got to to talk to them on the show. Yeah, yeah. So I was listening to a little bit of the, the Hearthstone um, changes that have been made and how you're able to get back into it. So that's really cool. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Well, then you also heard about me, and this will be good for uh, for continuity's sake. Uh, you also heard about my um, little venture in getting boys at my high school to audition for the musical theater piece that we're taking to competition this year. Yay! Did they already have auditions? They had auditions. I had um, 17 boys audition. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Um, we only cut three, and most of it was simply because it wasn't because they didn't have a good voice, but um, they were um, just not the right type of voice because uh, we are doing um, 21 Guns by Green Day, and so it's a little bit more pop, and they had a little bit more classical voice to them. Um, but... Uh, we also had two students that went through the entire audition process and then came up to me afterwards and said, Mr. Hogan, we really don't want to do this. And I totally respect that. And I totally was like, guys, I just appreciate that you did it. You both have amazing voices. Don't give up on this and, and you know, make get get involved in this because I think it's something that you'd be good at and would enjoy. But I'm certainly not going to force you to do something you don't want to do. Um, so hopefully they found it overall a positive experience. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. What's the musical again? Um, it's uh, American Idiot by Green Day. Oh yeah, that's right. That's why it was so important to get those really good boys. Yeah, yeah, and so we ended up we have a cast of twenty eight kids, and this is just for a, a four minute competition piece. So in March we'll take these kids to a festival in, at Fullerton College, and they'll um they'll compete against other musical theater pieces and. Uh, 
they're they're all very very excited about it. In fact, um, one of the girls in my sophomore class has um, a lot of tap training, and she's like, "Is there anything I can do for for drama?" And so we're already starting to plan our competition piece for 2018 because I think we're gonna now that we have boys that are willing to sing, I think we're going to try and do a tap piece, but my kids don't tap. So we've got <laughs> a year and a half to to teach them how to, to do some tap dancing. And um, <laughs> a couple of the teachers have said that they want to kind of join in her classes and stuff too. So at, once a week at lunch, we're going to you know, put on the tap shoes and, and uh, dance our way through lunch. <laughs> oh my gosh, that goes right along with your game plan too, recruiting support and exercising at lunch. That's fantastic. Exactly. I'm, I'm really excited about it. I've taken one one tap class in my life and the only thing I have retained is I can shuffle off to Buffalo to the right, and, that, and that's it. <laughs> not to the left, and I can't do any other steps, but I can shuffle off to Buffalo to the right. Oh my gosh, my nephew Jake, by the way, who's 15, is taking tap at his school this, this semester, so. It's such a fun dance form. Uh, it is so much fun, fun to watch, too, so it's really exciting. And then uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about as far as keeping it geek this week, um, I think I am finally ready to announce our new podcast. We're going to be recording episode zero this week. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. Yes. So um, (laughs) uh, my friend Kelly Hightower, who is the host of the Mating Habits of the Modern Geek podcast. And who's awesome. She's she's amazing. Uh, Her and I are going to start a new podcast called State of the Geek. And the idea behind this is we try and keep Geektitude very positive and and talk about how everything in geek culture can be brought together by just sharing your geekiness. But sometimes that's not enough. <laughs> and um, And so I wanted to start, with all the stuff that's going on in the world right now, I wanted to start a podcast that was a little bit more active, a little bit more in your face, a little bit more uh, confronting some of the problems in geek culture head on, because I feel like our culture is kind of a microcosm of geek culture as a whole. Yeah, sorry, Like the world as a whole. And so uh, we are going to, in State of the Geek, it'll probably launch once a month. It's going to be a little bit of a different format, so it'll be interesting to see what people think. But our idea is to take a problem that's going on in geek culture, talk about it, figure out why it's there, and then end every episode so that we're not ending on a negative, end every episode on what our listeners can do to make a change in that situation and make positive change in geek culture. So That's that, great. Yeah, that is our goal. Um, we'll probably release about once a month, and, um, and it'll be more of a roundtable discussion. We're going to bring in different guests. I know for the first episode, we've already got Ray Vargas, who's on, on this show quite a bit. Uh, yep. Ray! Hello, Ray! <laughs> so, that's, uh, so that is coming up. We're really excited. Um, we, we've got to get a couple more things in place, but uh, hopefully that will be launching at the beginning of October, which is really just a week away or so. Oh my gosh, that's just, that is so great and so timely and so needed. And, you know, Jules brought up an important, I hadn't really heard this before, but it was, I guess it's commonly used, but she brought up the term echo chamber about how we, we tend to, it's like this confirmation bias. We tend to surround ourselves with people who agree with us. And even an echo chamber can be full of positivity. 
Um, but I think it's really important to get outside of our comfort zone and, and listen to other people's points of view. But not only that, what you're proposing is challenging other people's points of view. When there is negativity, not hiding from it, but addressing it and addressing it in a positive, you know, productive way. So I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And uh, I, I tend to be a little bit of a... Um, I, I'm not a. I don't consider myself an activist, but I get these little bouts of as activism behind me, and I'm kind of in that right now. I think with the political stuff that's going on nowadays, I get frustrated and feel like I need to do something. And since I, I'm a podcaster, that I feel is my my weapon of choice right now. Excellent. Good for you. Yeah. So that is how we kept it geeky this week. Um, we do have a couple of special events that I want to point out before we move into uh, the rest of the show. Tonight, uh, the, we're recording this on Sunday, September 25th, so it'll actually probably be out by the time you listen to this. But tonight I'm actually going to do a live recording of the Jack of All Nerds podcast. So I'm really nice. excited about that. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it should be fun. Um and so that, I'm not sure when that comes out, but I'll definitely forward that out to everybody as as um, I get the information. And then, uh, of course, we do have Palm Springs Comic Con coming up in November, November 19th and 20th at the Hard Rock Hotel in Palm Springs. Uh, we'll definitely be making appearances there. Again, the um, schedule is not quite out yet, but uh, as we get more information, we will let you know about that as well. Oh, I have to put that on my calendar. Yes, and uh, this week uh, is special because it marks the one-year anniversary of Geektitude. Yay! And, yeah, and we are two <laughs> One year! One year, it's kind of crazy. And um, we are two episodes away from episode 50. Wow. And Good for so, you, Joe. Oh, thank you. I've been trying to rack my brain as to how I want to um, handle number 50 because I feel like it should be a little bit something different, something unique. And so I know a lot of my listeners are other podcasters. And so what I'm asking anybody who who feels the urge to do so, um, send me a list of favorites, favorite things, say favorite podcasts, favorite TV shows, uh, favorite books, comic books, anything geeky. Send me your, your favorites list. You can do it in an audio file. You can do it in an email. Uh, you can send those to joehogan at geektitude.com, but I'm going to uh, be talking with uh, a fan of our shows, uh, Nick Kelly, who is going hey, to... Nick! Yeah, we're going to finally have Nick on the show, and uh, and we're going to talk about our favorites. And along those, if you have any favorite moments of the first 50 episodes of Geektitude, let us know what those are, and we will share those with everybody else. Very nice. That's cool. So moving into news, uh, you had some shows start up this uh, last couple of weeks that you wanted to talk about. What are you watching? Well, both these shows, it's kind of a little bit had to do with our conversation today, just a little bit because they're... So, okay, first of all, the first one is The Pitch with Kylie Bunbury. So she plays the first female Major League Baseball player. Mm -hmm. who also happens to be black, and they said that they cast this blindly. They didn't cast it looking for a particular race. She just happened to be the best person for the job. And um, this show, along with another show called This Is Us, were both created by Dan Fogelman. 
Um, he's the guy that did Galavant, and he brought us Tangled. Um, and and the two episodes this week, I just thought they were both fantastic, and both of them had these glorious twists at the end that I did not expect. Um, and I was a little nervous about the, the Kylie Bunbury vehicle. I when I saw pictures of her in the media, she looked too pretty. She looked didn't look athletic enough in my you know biased you know perception. Um, but I watched it and she pulled it off. She was strong. She looked, I mean, she, she does have very slender arms, but she still looks athletic and she, she looks like she could do this. And, and it was talk about a strong female heroine, someone who is kind of representing women in a very male dominated sports world. And they actually address that head on in the show. There's, fans, little girls all over the stadium holding up signs, you know, we're next, Kylie, um, or Ginny, I think her name is Ginny in the show. So, um, so that was, that was really kind of, kind of exciting. Um, and, oh, and there was another, some news came out. My sister introduced me to the comic, um, Hawkeye, and this isn't the Hawkeye that we know from Avengers. Um, this is a new Hawkeye. Her name is Kate Bishop. Mm-hmm. And she took over the mantle a little bit. So I'm not going to spoil anything from the Civil War II storyline regarding Bruce Banner and um, Clint, the, the other Hawkeye. Um, but something is going on in that world that has kind of allowed her to have her own storyline. Um, and Kelly Thompson, who's taking over the writing from Matt Fraction, who actually created the character... Um, she's been in the news this past week doing interviews, talking to people about this new solo, um, creation. So, Mm -hmm. so Kate Bishop is going to get her own comic. It's coming out, I'm assuming later this year. Kelly Thompson is one of the writers of Gem and the Holograms and A-Force, which A-Force is the all-female team of Avenger that premiered in 2015. Right. Um, she's teaming up with artist Leonardo Romero, and she's describing it as Veronica Mars with superheroes. And <laughs> I think I've described Veronica Mars as being one of my favorite fandoms. Um, I'm super excited, and unlike my sister Katie, who's an avid comic book reader, I may actually start getting a pull list at my local comic book store so that I can keep up with Hawkeye. Oh, it's addictive. <laughs> once, <laughs> once you get one, you know, the, you're, if, it, if you have a good comic book store owner, they will, they will start making recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. So That's Awesome. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a huge uh, regular Hawkeye fan, but I, I am aware of, uh, is it Kate Bishop? Kate Bishop. Yeah, and, uh, and I think they've even brought her into a couple of his in um solo series and and she's kind of a a fun take on the character. She's she's very cool. She's a cool lady. Yeah, and Matt Fraction, um he's married to Kelly Sue DeConnick, who's kind of one of my heroes in the in the comic book industry. She's um responsible for well, she's most well known for her Captain Marvel um mm-hmm. writing. Um but she's also has her own series, you know, Bitch Planet, Pretty Deadlies. Um I consider both Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue DeConnick to be feminists in the industry. And, um, and he did a fantastic job introducing this character within the original Hawkeyes universe. So it was a very good storyline and a very good place to start if, if people want to find out what she's all about. Awesome. 
Well, very cool. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff going on with the comic book industry, and we're going to talk about this in a moment. But um, the comic book industry does it, it, it's trying. I don't know that it's trying quick enough. <laughs> but <it is> trying. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. So. Another item that you you pointed out to me this week uh, when we were uh, talking about doing this episode was there was a, a tweet that went out that went viral actually, and it was a student who calculated the angle of her dab yes oh it was so fantastic yeah and uh the for those of you who don't know a dab is that move you will see people do it's based on a dance move but now people just kind of use it as i think conversation punctuation (laughs) i i confess i had to google dab i didn't know when i originally (laughs) saw this 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 tweet i did not know what a dab was so if you see somebody kind of point both arms angularly up with one skyward. Arm. Yeah, both skyward with one kind of crooked and the other one um, a little high, yeah, I don't know. I want to say Heisman esque ish, and they <laughs> put their their face in the um, in the crook of their elbow, and that is a dab. And my students do it constantly, and I think it's a little, <laughs> think it's a little silly, quite honestly. But um, that's because I'm getting old. Dear God. <laughs> I've become that person that's like these kids and their funky dance moves. Um, but anyway, so she calculated the angle of her dab. It went viral. It was very cool because it was math being used in uh, just a fun, interesting way. And I think you referred to her a little bit as, as a different type of uh, female superhero. I did, and so I got that from you. So in Twitter, there's the moments. You go into moments, and normally moments is really depressing, and I see a whole bunch of stuff that I really don't want to know anything about. (laughs) But I go there because there's always a gem. There's always a gem, and Annika was a gem for me because when I saw her tweet where she said, I calculated the angle of my dad. How's your Friday going? And she had three photos. The first photo was her and her friend, and she's doing the dab. And then the next photo, she she puts in the triangle of her dab. And then the next photo is of her math calculation. And so I swear this made me, I was grinning ear to ear when I saw this. And I also saw that it had like 26,000 likes at the time. I think it's up to 36,000 now. Mm-hmm. Um and there was one tweet which retweeted it that with the hashtag not all heroes wear capes. So wow. I followed this yeah, awesome. So I followed the same line and I retweeted it with um the comment the glorious virality of a math nerd with the hashtag not all heroes wear capes because to me she's a role model for young girls who should be getting into science and more and more women are, and it's a very exciting field for women, but right now, not enough. Not right. enough by a long stretch. Um, so she blew me away. But there was a, a, back, a bad side to this story, and I didn't know if you were going to introduce that. I didn't want to. Oh, no, go ahead. So, so I, obviously, I went to her to her, her account. I wanted just to get, a, get to know her a little better and notice that she's you know, kind of working as a, at a med school in NASA this summer. She's a biochemist. Um, but one of her tweets in her feed said, good morning. It's a beautiful day. And she put a little sun, um, little sun there, a little sun emoji. And when I looked at the picture she attached, they were retweets that people had done with comments 
One of them said, and excuse my language, but I'm going to repeat it because it needs to be said. It said, fucking kill yourself. The other one said, no, seriously, consider suicide. So in other words, Annika, this woman who made me smile ear to ear, who to me is a role model to young women in science everywhere, was getting vicious hate tweets. And I have no idea how many she got. Um, obviously, she got overwhelmingly positive response. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that she got that at all broke my heart. Yeah. Yeah, it was incredibly disturbing. So I retweeted that, too, with the hashtag Geeks for Change, which is Joe's hashtag. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to keep that up or change it to State of Geek or whatever. But at the time, I was just thinking that this belongs in our conversation today. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I haven't I haven't mentioned it because I have been kind of saving it for um State of the Geek, but no, the, our hashtag for that show will be um Geeks for Change. Um because it, there's no excuse for this. And uh, this is this is one of the things that bothers me so much and why I feel like I have to have an activist podcast to to speak out about it because there's just there's no excuse for that kind of treatment of other other people, and I, I'm I'm not quite sure why people have to take something that's. I mean, you can dislike things and you can find things silly or childish or or not to your liking, but to to tell somebody to commit suicide because they posted something fun on the internet, it's just not appropriate. No, and that belongs in their own, you know, echo chamber. One of them saw someone do it, and so another one saw them do it because that's their echo chamber of, of hate, I guess. And mm-hmm. and it's just, it is very disturbing, and it does need to be talked about. And and our, I don't know if I swear, I I, I told it to someone, and they said, well, these were you know young kids that did this, right? I'm like. Can't count on that. Um, I the whole Gamergate business with all the um, hate being thrown at the women in the gaming industry um, who were speaking out um, for more equality in that industry received hate from all ages um, from men, and and it was vicious and and this is just not something that's uncommon. So that's why like you know you're doing your podcast. I think it's important that we we talk about this. We bring about awareness to it. And I'm glad that she reposted it in a very positive way. But she's saying, look, people, thanks for all the love and attention. But I'm getting a lot of hate for this, too. And and it should be known. Yeah. And and as as horrible as it is, I'm glad that she did, because I, I, I think my tendency would be not to not to shine a light on it. But but she's right. You you kind of have to to put it out there and say, hey, this is this is what I'm waking up to this morning. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm a fan of hers, and she, and she's following Weck now, and and she asked us if um, we could let her know when the podcast is out, and we will, um, because I don't know. I just think she deserves some love and attention. So absolutely, and uh, we are, we are big fans, so we will definitely be following what's going on there. Um, just one last thing on this, I, 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 the whole shining a light on, on this kind of situation. There are a lot of people that are kind of like, well, let's just, you know, kind of not, not pay it attention and so, you know, not to make it a bigger thing. But um, I was going over the Four Freedoms speech by um, Franklin Roosevelt with my students the other day. And one of the lines in it, and I'm I'm completely paraphrasing, but it was something along the lines of, 
he was talking about you know people who were against America joining World War II, and he said, "Let's shame them with our patriotism." And my students had a big reaction to that because you you now in this in this world of anti-bullying and and trying to make sure that you know everybody is respectful. Um, I think we've gone. The pendulum has swung in a direction that's not necessarily healthy, because sometimes shame is a good thing. <laughs> sometimes it, it's okay to point to somebody and say, "You know what? That thing you just did—that's not okay." Right. And yeah. I don't think we're doing that enough. And so I think calling people out on stuff like that is is important. And and letting people know that they can't say that without getting some sort of of response, um, and and some would argue that that's what they're doing it for. But I, I still think that if it goes unspoken, you're not discouraging that behavior. And so, unfortunately, um, I think it means that a lot of us have to have to shake the finger <laughs> and say that's not appropriate. Yeah, and really and also. To. Yeah, by by also bringing more light. I mean, the whole reason I wanted to talk about it is because she made me smile. She made my day. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that she was getting all that hate, I just wanted more and more and more people to know about it and let her shine a little brighter to the public um, and bring her message out there, which is basically, hey, I'm a, I'm a girl and I'm a math nerd deal with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so just by, I mean, without even, you know, going to those people and like you said, giving them the attention that they want, um, just by allowing her to shine a little bit more and bringing her message out a little bit more into the world, um, I think is, is important. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, Monica, we're, we're fans. <laughs> we're fans. <laughs> All right, we are going to move on. I think that's a good segue into our topic for the day, which is female superheroes. And um, it was a really good um, TED Talk by Christopher Bell. Uh, he brought up a lot of good points. I actually took notes. I very rarely take notes. <laughs> I know. We talk about uh, things that, you know, we just kind of make it very conversational, but there's a lot of stuff to, to unpack here. Absolutely, Yeah. Now, you posted something, Heroic Girls. Tell me about this link. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I was I was looking for podcasts on female superheroes. I was looking for any information I could find, and I had, I had some trouble in that realm. And it's, part of the problem is just the searching mechanism is tough for podcasts mm-hmm. um, when you have podcasts that cover so many broad different topics. Um, so I went back to TED Talks to see if I could find something else. And there's a man named John Morcott. And he, like Christopher Bell, is raising daughters. And because of that, and he's raising daughters like Christopher Bell, um, who's raising a daughter, um, who are into superheroes and superhero movies, among other things. But that is one of their things. Um, And so he did a podcast that was similar, especially in impact. And we'll hopefully put the link up to that as well. Um, But one of the positive things that um, he talked about is making toys more gender neutral. And he talked about a movement that's going on 
in the UK. And this was, both these podcasts, by the way, were late 2015. So some things have changed since those podcasts were out. Um, but and as a matter of fact, when that podcast went out, he talked specifically about Target and how they had pink aisles for girls and blue aisles for um, for boys. And as you know, it hit the news this year that Target went gender neutral in toys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because of people like him speaking out. So he started a, a, a website called HeroicGirls.com. And it's wonderful. It gives you lots of news about women and um, who are superheroes and it's just, I highly recommend checking out that website, especially if you're raising young women, young girls, as he is. And that's why he's bringing attention to this. So that's kind of the gist of Heroic Girls, John Marcotte. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a very, very cool site. I was kind of browsing. It's one of those that you can get lost in because there's just so many different things about uh, female heroes and uh, cosplay and all sorts of stuff and it's pretty it's pretty in depth it's pretty cool yeah yeah for sure so i uh, highly recommend checking that out awesome. and his and his podcast as well it was just to me it was just as impactful as as christopher bells no oh, the the um the ted talk i'm sorry yes podcast ted talk yes ted talk with um with john Marcotte. yeah his his cracked me up <laughs> I, I thought his was like the the way he starts off about you know <laughs> being because I guess it was was it at a a woman's um, conference that he was giving it because his entire <laughs> his entire audience was women. Yes, yes, that was that was pretty cool. He acknowledges that right at the beginning, right so. off the bat, and does it in a very uh, very nice and disarming way. So that's you know that's the thing that's important in this conversation is. Um, is we're referencing, we're talking about female superheroes. We're talking about two men who are doing um, podcasts about them. Um, and men have every right to be a part of this conversation as women. Um, so, so I, I just, I think they both did an exceptional job. And like I said, they're raising girls. There are a lot of men out there raising women. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they, they should be a part of this conversation too. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, where to begin? This is a big. This is a big topic. Um, one of the things that uh, I think it was um, John Marcotte that said on his TED talk, he talked about how his his daughter wasn't, and he used in in fairness to him, he used the air quotes, um, but he talked about how she's not a fake geek girl, and that term always bothers me. Because, yeah, yeah. It's, it's that feeling that you have to have this geek cred to play. And um, that that whole term came from a 2012 Forbes article um, where they were calling out the fake geek girls at a con, um, you know, sexy women who go to cons and dress up and they're pretending to, to like um, geeky stuff to impress the boys. Um that was the gist of the, the column. And, and then that kind of, you know, speaking of echo chambers, people who agreed with that, you know, kind of ran with it. But fortunately, all the geek girls kind of took over that conversation and, and had their own say with it, which was, which was good. So. Right, right. And, and so I guess that's, that's kind of the jumping off, off for us is um, I don't feel like you need street cred to be a geek 
Um, you know, I know people. I've had to. I've had to explain to people that geekitude. Yes, it means your geek aptitude, but it's not. Com- it's not externally comparative. It's internally comparative. It's you know me seeing where my strong points are, where my weak points are, what I want to learn more about. But it's not like I only have a geek uh, a geekitude of a certain number, and therefore I'm not allowed to play. And um, and so I think that's just kind of an important thing that, you know, often we say, well, you're not really into this. Well, well, tell me about it. Maybe it's something I would want to get into or I do like it enough to dress up like this character. I- introduce me more to it. Yeah, yeah. Just a segue to get more information and get more into things and, and share your fe- your geekdom and fandom with others. But then he went on to talk about he compared um, superhero culture to princess culture, and I thought that that was really interesting. He talked about how princesses tend to wait to be rescued, while uh, female superheroes uh, rescue themselves and others. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And he made a a really strong. You're talking about Christopher Bell's. Ted Talk now, right? Um, I, I think took... that might have still been John Marcotte because I don't think I took notes. Oh, was that still John Marcotte? Okay. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's right. Because John Marcotte talked about the, the princesses. I mean, Chris, oh, I'm getting them all confused now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Christopher Wall talked about that as well. The fact that since 1937, we um, Disney has been selling, has made, been making most of its money by selling princesses to girls. Um, right. And that difference in um, a difference in messages and what those those characters represent has a lot to do with the marketing um, aspect of it, which which both uh, pod, uh, both TED Talks got into. Yeah, they also talked about um, the unattainable beauty of the princess versus the okay to be different. Though <laughs> we have articles here that also say that superheroes may not be handling that in the best way either, but we will get to that later. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then this narrow view of femininity that comes with the princess culture where um, girls can be more than that. Um, one of the articles you you referenced was um, referred to She-Hulk, who happens to be one of my absolute favorite comic book characters because mine too, after doing all this research this week. Oh, she's so she's amazing. She's a lawyer. And she can kick a lot of people's butts, and she she has fun being She-Hulk. You know that's the yeah. Difference. Whereas Bruce Banner is tortured. Exactly, exactly. She she loves being able to get in there and tussle with with uh, other other superheroes, and um, and it just it makes her character a lot of fun to to kind of watch. You don't ever, and she does it all while still very much being a woman it's not like yeah she's muscular but she i mean she's she's a green wonder woman quite honestly yeah looks wise but you know she doesn't lose that you know it's not like oh she's just a man which i feel like sometimes is the default for for you know some of your more rugged um female superheroes yeah, and she didn't take over the banner of, like, she didn't take over the Hulk. She became Hulk because she's the cousin of Bruce Banner, and she received a blood transfusion from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and that was, she, I guess she was created by Stan Lee in 1980. 
And and they've been in comics side by side this whole time. So unlike some of the comics that come about where Wolverine dies and then a female Wolverine takes over, um, who's a clone, um, this isn't the taking over. These two characters are legit, you know, unique characters in in the Marvel universe. Um, and she she is seriously awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the other thing, I was listening to John Marcotte's um, TED Talk with my sister in the car yesterday. My my younger sister, who's um, raised a spectacular 19-year-old woman and is now raising a 2-year-old and a 4-year-old, and a 2-year-old is a girl. And, and we were listening to that, and she was really affected by when they, I think it was Marcotte who talked about his daughter being referred to Oh gosh, maybe this was Belle. Gosh dang damn it. Which one referred to their daughter as being a tomboy? Uh, that was Belle. That was Belle. Okay. So, and he said, and this is, this is, you know, considered a good thing. Like she's not going to get anything, you know, taken away from her because she's referred to as a tomboy because it's considered an upgrade. And whereas a boy, and he specifically refers to an 11 year old boy who was a fan of, my little pony what is it mm-hmm. yeah my little pony my little my little pony who um was harassed into attempting suicide um because taking on girl traits and girl things aren't considered as acceptable and this is something that both John Marcotte and Christopher Bell and thousands of others out there are trying to bring an awareness to and as parents out there, it's really hard when you see these things happening and, and supporting your kids, especially your boys, when they're taking on girl traits, when they're into Frozen or whatever thing that's perceived as being a girl thing, um, embracing them for it and supporting them. So it's a hard thing for parents to have to to deal with. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. I, and you're going to hear me say this a lot, I think. I just, I don't get how in 2016 these are still issues. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. My, my sister, Katie, brought that up, too. She said, she said, so you're having a podcast about female superheroes. She goes, it's interesting that that's even a thing, that, that you have to do that. Yeah. That, you know, because you wouldn't have a podcast about male superheroes. Um, well, that's just a given. The fact that we have to label you know our superheroines or female superheroes and it can't just be superheroes at this you know date and time is is very it's discouraging but it doesn't mean that that amazing things aren't happening although um, i do feel like we're we're taking a little bit of a step back and i i, I didn't know where in the in the show to put this but one of my favorite superheroes when i was growing up was um captain marvel but not the one that we're going to be introduced in the films, but uh, Monica Rambeau. And I don't know if you came across her in any of your research. No. No, I mean, I vaguely remember her from doing research for another WEC episode, but no. Yeah, she actually was the second person in the Marvel Universe to hold the title of Captain Marvel. There was uh, Captain Marvel, who was uh, an alien and uh, a guy, and and he was the first one. And then she was actually the the second, and not only was she um, a woman, but she was a black woman, and she led the Avengers. Wow! What what year did she, or what decade? I def I I want to say the eighties, but it may have been the seventies. Wow! That's that's I 
I should know about her, right? And the fact that I don't. It, it's telling that that people don't know about Monica Rambeau. Uh, she doesn't go by Captain Marvel anymore. Uh, she's had multiple um, character names since then. Photon, Pulsar, Spectrum. Because her, her powers are all light-based. She can turn her body into different forms of light. Um, let's see. She received a one-shot title in 1989. Uh, and that's about when she was in the Avengers. I don't know that they say when... She took over the Avengers, but she did take them over from the Wasp, who was the leader of the Avengers immediately before her. And um, we're going to see a version of the Wasp in the next Ant-Man movie. Right, yeah, so the Ant-Man and the Wasp, even though she's... And I'm, I'm hoping, I don't know, because it's not part of the list of movies that are coming out that you know, DC and Marvel have both given us a list of their movies going through like 2020. So Ant-Man and the Wasp are one of them. I'm assuming that eventually they'll do have the Wasp be her own right. I would hope, but it was actually, they already kind of built her up to have her own movie from the first Ant-Man. So it was almost disappointing to me that we have to build her up again, that we, we have to yeah. make her a part of his movie again in order for, I mean, the Wasp is seriously kick-ass. So, so, so when you brought up Captain Marvel, were you talking about the fact that the Captain Marvel we're getting is a white blonde Captain Marvel versus maybe perhaps having a female um, uh, heroine who's a woman of color as well? well? I I think I just I get very confused because she gets complete like nobody ever talks about her and talk people talk about diversity people talk about um about how we need strong female superheroes. And I'm like, where did we go back? Like, how did we go backwards? Because for a a black woman to lead the Avengers in, I want to say the 80s, you know, how how is this now a problem now? Like, why is this such an issue now? I mean, I think it's great that we have Carol Danvers coming in as Captain Marvel, and I think the character is very strong. And and if you know the history, um. I, I, Monica Rambeau had no problem giving up the moniker of Captain America. She didn't necessarily identify that wasn't part of her identity. So when she gave it to the person, I mean, uh, Carol Danvers is like the sixth person to take that name, even though she was around um, initially when the first Captain Marvel was around. Yeah, and I mentioned Kelly Sue DeConnick's writing the, the Carol Danvers version and doing it. It's she's doing a great job. I mean, it's a great character. But, yeah, there's more of a comfort. You know, it's interesting. Did you ever read the Kamala Khan uh, Marvel comic? I have. I've read, um, I've read a little bit of it. I haven't read a lot of it. Um, but, but what I've read of it, I really enjoyed. And I think from what I've seen, she's an amazing character. Yeah, she's and, – and it's interesting because when you read the comic, um, Kamala Khan is Miss Marvel. And she's – seriously groundbreaking because she's a, a creation of Sana Amanet and Sana Amanet um, at Marvel, she's the director of content and character development. She's one of the reasons why we're seeing so many women take flight and women of color and diff various diversities taking flight at Marvel. Um, and also a reason why Marvel responds when they get criticism. Um, 
And so she created Kamala Khan, and she had a Muslim woman um, named G. Willow Wilson write the comic. And it's about a young girl from Jersey City who's Muslim American. Parents are from Pakistan, and um, and in the in the very first comic, she develops her abilities, which are kind of along the inhuman line of abilities. Um, and she can polymorph, so she can turn into other things. And the first person she turns into is her idol, Carol Danvers. Mm-hmm. And when I was reading this, it was a little disturbing to me. I was like, wait a minute, why why is she turning into a white blonde woman? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think should stop saying the word blonde, like that's something negative. It's just it, to me, it was just like this stereotype and and um and I was I was just disappointed, I'm like, hey, this is supposed to be about diversity and and why is she whitewashing herself? And that's exactly the point. They want you to be uncomfortable. And and that's the problem, too. This is a teenager who's dealing with coming into her own and and the, the superhero that she's had to admire all this time has seen this, this Carol Danvers who. And so when she turns into her, she's just becoming what she thinks is what a super female superhero should look like. And it just happens to be everything's the opposite of what she looks like. So obviously she turns back into herself and, and a big part of her story is her figuring out who she is and where she fits in. Um, but they're just, they're dealing with these issues head on. Um, I find that kind of interesting. Um, so it would have been inter- even more interesting maybe if they had done the, the Monica Rambo if they'd mentioned her, but no, it was at the time Carol Danvers was had the mantle, and so so that was who came up in her comic. Yeah, there I feel like Marvel has always had. I mean, since X Men days, I think that's what really kind of was the the flagpole that everybody puts in as as Marvel's start of diversity, but. Um, when yeah. Storm led the X-Men, the Wasp and uh, Monica Rambeau's Captain Marvel led uh, led the Avengers, you know, and, and that's not to say that that their characters didn't have problems and that you can't pick apart the thing, the, the negative things that they've they've done with those characters. I mean, if you go into Carol Danvers' backstory, like all the way back, um there's a lot of loss of agency there's rape there's there's just a lot of victimization of the character and um things that are not okay but they were never i think intended to be um harmful to the image of women it was just kind of again that classic idea of your privilege uh, kind of leaking through the story and and yeah. uh, you know a lot of white men writing and not seeing the problem of what they were writing yeah i'm so sick and tired of the rape storylines and and they there's a lot of rape out there so this is not this is something that should be part of any conversation but it needs to be done well and it can't be done as a toss-off storyline to to suit a narrative and as a matter of fact that's one of the reasons i love this last season of game of thrones so much more is because they kind of went away from the world of of um, George R. Martin, and and since they're away from his world, which is full of violence toward women, mm-hmm. um, from having read the, the first three books, um, and and instead it was a celebration of women. We got out of the the, the I don't know. It was just a completely different tone, and I felt it. I felt yeah. it. Yeah. So, 
But I, yeah, that's, that's a really, it's a good, as a matter of fact, Hawkeye has a rape story in her. You can't find a female heroine practically who doesn't have a rape story in their storyline, and it's getting old. So I'm really looking forward to these new characters. And, and like, for instance, I'm taking Hawkeye fresh. I'm going to Kate Bishop, and I'm taking her fresh. I'm not, I mean, I know she has some good storylines, but I'm going to go from day one. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to trust Kelly Thompson to never have a rape storyline unless, unless it's something that's that's done with right and brings the topic to a, a point of conversation that deserves to be had. Yeah. Um, that actually kind of segues us to one of our newest female superheroes, um, which is Riri Williams. Had you heard of Ironheart? Yeah, I, I've heard a, a lot of different things about Ironheart. I, I think the first... <laughs> The first complaint was, well, she's not a man, so how are you going to call her Iron Man? Well, you're not going to call her Iron Man. You're gonna call, they, they came up with the name Ironheart. The whole advertisement was that she was going to be the new Iron Man on whatever team she ends up on. Uh, I don't know if she's going to be an Avenger or if, you know, what exactly they're doing, but like the, the, the fact that things change and that scares people so much, I, I don't understand. Because it, how many stories are we going to put Tony Stark in? Yeah. You know, at some point, you do have to come up with something different. You do have to come up with something new. And, you know, if you have stories to tell about a black woman who who's flying around in an iron suit, then then there's a story that's different, and it's new, and it's something that different people are going to uh, relate to and and be able to attach themselves to and you're just going to get a different perspective it's not going to be the same thing over and over again right and and this is important too um because on i'm thinking of annika at the time we didn't mention annika is black not super relevant although sort of relevant because young black women in science very important for her to be a real role model for them mm-hmm. um but riri williams like you mentioned female black superhero i mean it's it's huge it's it's needs to be done i mean it's it's one more road we need to go down um but some of the backlash is the fact that she's a creation of a white man brian michael bendis mm-hmm. um but I hope people put Brian Michael Bendis. I I dove down a rabbit hole with regard to this because that initially really bothered me too. I'm like, what are we doing? We're introducing a young, smart female um, black heroine and we're having a white man write her storyline. And I was thinking, where, where are the, the black women here? And at the time, Marvel didn't even have a black woman writer on staff. Mm -hmm. So, so, but here's the thing, Brian Michael Bendis. I went to this um, this podcast um, called uh, pot, It's called Word Balloon, and every once in a while he does interviews with Brian Michael Bendis, who, by the way, created Jessica Jones. And I have to confess, Brian Michael Bendis is a little flippant about this conversation. He's flippant because he feels justified because he's raising two black daughters. And he is like ecstatic about the fact that he can create these black hero, this new black heroine for his daughters. And I think more power to you, man. I think that's 
That's awesome. That's legit. Um, he said that he's getting complaints about, you know, drawing um, female black hair. And he's saying, I've been dealing with, with black hair for eight years, raising my daughters. <laughs> so he's like, I got black hair. Um, I got this down. Um, but I don't think he should be so flippant. I think he should be a little more respectful of the conversation. Right now, the conversation is very respectful. We're not at the level where people are going to be um, throwing up roadblocks and 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 not you know buying this comic. Nobody's talked about a boycott that I could see. Um, but I think he needs to respect the conversation a little more. And my hope is that he can start the comic, but then he passes the baton. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of what I what I hope happens. And I feel like it's it's tough because I feel like I would rather these characters be created than not. But it, it it's not like we shouldn't be focusing on Brian Michael Bendis not being a, of of diverse ethnicity or gender. We should be focusing on Marvel not hiring more writers of you know cuz because if if the playing field was more even then he, this wouldn't even be an issue where the issue comes is the fact that there aren't any women writers you know or very few women writers at marvel um that are able to write from that perspective yeah and this is one of the great things about marvel is because since this conversation has come about They've already hired two black female writers as part of their staff so that these two women and it's Roxanne Gray and Yona Harvey can take over the female storylines of the Black Panther universe, um, the world of Wakanda universe. So it's like legit groundbreaking stuff that that. First of all, we can complain about something to Marvel. Secondly, Marvel listens and cares. Mm-hmm. And thirdly, they go and they do exactly what people say is wrong with them and they fix it. Um, so no one's going to take Brian Michael Bendis away from his creation. He's too dang proud of Riri. And he wants to birth her into this world. <laughs> and, I, and I hope he succeeds because Brian Michael Bendis, he's, a, he's hands down, he's a feminist. There's just no question in my mind. So I think he can do it if, as long as he's not flippant about the conversation because it's legit. Yeah. Um, but Marvel's already hired these two amazing men. These are amazing women. I look them up, Roxanne Gray, Gay, and um, and Yona Harvey. It's 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 incredibly exciting. And the thing is, is they also hired to to do the rights. Um, I can't pronounce his name. It's Tanahisi Coates. Coats, I think, but I think it's not pronounced that way. Um, an incredible, like, famous writer. They hired him to do the Black Panther storyline. Mm-hmm. So, so they're getting people to write the storylines who can tell us, who can, you know, tell a story from a perspective that maybe not always a white man, even if you are the mother of black girls, can tell. Right. So, so I think it's it's pretty cool. As a matter of fact. You mind if I jump all over the place? You jump wherever you want to go. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to another podcast. Um, it's called This Week in Marvel. And and this one was featuring Sterling K. Brown. Sterling K. Brown just won an Emmy for playing Christopher Darden in The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Mm. And I knew him way back from Army Wives, which I used to watch. 
And now he's in This Is Us, which is the, one of the Dan Vogelman vehicles I mentioned earlier. Um, and I'm super excited about the character he plays in that. This is an actor I love. Um, and on that podcast, one of the things he talked about is watching the latest Avengers movie with his black son, um, which that movie was featuring three black superheroes, Black Panther, played by Chadwick Boseman, War Machine by John Cheadle, and Falcon by Anthony Mackie. And he said it was a trip. He said it was just like this amazing experience to be able to share that movie with his son. So I'm looking forward to the day when we can have the same thing for our black daughters um, who can go to the, the movies and have the, you know, the Christopher Bells and John Marcotts um, go to the movies with their daughters and see um, the, also the black female heroine represented. So yeah. I, if you look at what movies are coming out in the next five years, it doesn't look like it's happening in the next five years, but I'm hoping it'll happen within the next 10 yeah, I, I really hope, honestly, I hope we get a Ms. Marvel movie. I think that's a story that everybody needs to be exposed to, not just the people that go to their local comic book stores. You know, and I almost wonder if it would be better on television. And television does so many things. Oh, speaking of which, the Luke Cage, um, is when is that coming out? That is coming out on Friday. Oh, okay, so that's, because <laughs> Rosaria Dawson's in it, and I just adore her character. Um and the Daredevil series. So, so I completely forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about um, Ms. Marvel possibly coming to TV or yeah, film or some, some think, other form. Yeah, I mean, I definitely hope she's a movie, but since movie and television universes tend to not coalesce too much, um, right now television is, is seems to be doing a lot right with regard to women. Mm-hmm. Um, female heroines in particular. So I think television might even be a good, good place to really tell Kamala Khan's story. Um, give it some longevity. So. Yeah, I would love but, to see, you know, honestly, I would love to see a regular series that, that allows her to, cause right now, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't really get pulled into the movie theater. They very much reference each other back and forth, but, Honestly, the best time to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is right after a Marvel movie comes out because they use that as a springboard to get into, you know, the meat and potatoes of their season. But um, I was I reading would... an article by Chloe Bennett and she was saying it's she just thinks it's such a she's in um, she plays one of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She she wishes it would be the other way around. She's so frustrated about the fact that um, that they'll highlight the movies but the movies won't take the agents of shield storyline and run with that right right and she talked about how she feels like she is kind of marvel's first tv superhero because um she was you know before her there was really just um black widow and black widow is very skilled she's a spy but she doesn't have any superpowers and right. I remember her talking about how she you know she was kind of proud to be the first female marvel superhero on either screens um because you know for her that was that was a big deal that's a good point now you also wanted to bring into the conversation uh steven universe oh steven universe okay this is all has to do with my friend sarah who who introduced me to steven universe and i guess it's just not on my radar because it's a cartoon um it's on the cartoon network it's it's too 
Well, I think my nephew Max is four, so he's getting to the age where it's almost a, probably appropriate for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, their target audience is more like six to ten. Um, so it just wasn't on my radar. But what she did is she posted on Facebook um, about how they were one episode, which particularly hand, um, talked about how to handle unwanted intrusive thoughts and anxiety which plenty of adults we know, including ourselves, probably go through. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but she also talked about how it celebrated the diverse female body types, showing these um, women, strong women who are larger women. Now, Steven Universe is called Steven Universe, so obviously the main character is a boy. Um, the, it's named after Rebecca Sugar's brother. So a lot of the storylines celebrate her relationship with her brother, which is very important to her. And, and it's about this universe where these people, which are really kind of genderless, um, even though they're all kind of have female qualities, um, they're called gems and they're the homeward gems were coming to earth to basically take it over and the crystal gems said heck no we love earth we love humans we're gonna we're gonna save them from you and so they they rebelled and saved them from their own people and then they stayed behind and and decided they would continue to protect humanity and steven universe is a half alien he's a half gem and his mother sadly had to die to give birth to him um, and he's half human. So the only other real male character in the storyline is his dad, Greg. Beyond that, it's full of fantastic women, whether they're gems or whether they're human. Um, and they, they seriously t- t- tackle hardcore issues. And one of them in particular is, um, is, is issues regarding sexuality. Um, because these gems can, well, first of all, they love each other since it's genderless. They're only so they're only perceived as females. So when they love each other, um, it's it seems to be these two women loving each other. And because this is for children, they're presenting it in a way that's, you know, innocent. But they do it so like it's coming off so easily like it's just the easiest the most normal thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And they're tackling every episode. They're tackling um, tough issues. Um, but the one thing that was brought attention to my friend was the fact that this cartoon had larger women in it um, and it has all sorts of body sizes represented. And that was that was really compelling to both of us. So me being a dietitian, um, I think that's really important because body image and body positivity is a, is a real problem that has a lot to do with our dieting industry. So so I like body positivity. So that was kind of cool. And that's one of the one of the things that uh, people do complain about when we get to um, women and superhero the superhero universe is that um, when we do have female superheroes, they do tend to be over sexualized and in these body shapes that are not achievable, you know, naturally, and um, and sometimes that that bend and move in ways that is not physically possible. Um, but yeah, it's not part of their superpower. Um, <laughs> so you know that's I think a, a, a good place to go from there. There was some very interesting um, research that you brought up that does come up a lot is body image issues when uh, women look at superheroes. Yeah, as a matter of fact, there was this um, really interesting study that was um, 
discussed in the Scientific American issue is new research um, by Hillary Pennell and Elizabeth Van Morowitz at the University of Missouri. Um, and basically, it was suggesting that the influence that we get from female superheroes is not always a positive one. Mm-hmm. Um, that when women see these voluptuous, hypersexualized women in um, in the movies or in comic representation, that we don't always come back from it and feel you know, good about ourselves. Um, even though these are strong women taking charge, um, it doesn't necessarily mean for body positivity and body image that we're taking something good away from it. Mm-hmm. So it was a really interesting study, which basically brought us to the fact that um, as one article in the Mary Sue, which I love the Mary Sue, it's a um, a blog you can find online, but it says, the quote is, it seems that although, yes, representation and gender diversity is ever slowly getting better, we have to be careful about those we hold up as good examples of representation. This isn't exactly a statement that the industry is doing something wrong by adding these women to the superhero pantheon. What it is, however, is a statement that we can still do so much better. Mm-hmm. That was written by Jessica Lackanell um, in an article called We've Got Some Great Female Superheroes, But Study Shows We Can Still Do Better. And that was that study that I just talked about. Yeah, and it's, so. it's interesting because honestly for a lot of these characters, I uh, the, the, the movie plot link, again, all, a lot of these will be in the uh, show notes, but uh, I loved how they went through and they kind of compared the costumes of women in comics and their movie counterparts. And in most cases, the movies did a better job of making the, them practical. And, uh, there the only negative that they said was Mystique, who really was, was not as often sexualized in the comic books, but was much more sexualized in the movies. Um, but you know, even if you go with the the Scarlet Witch's costume is completely different than um, her original costume, which is very form fitting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know, in prep preparing for this, I started polling friends, and one of the friends I reached out to was our um, mutual podcasting friend Nick Kelly, um, and I asked him and his wife Stacia if they could. What do they think? What are, what are they doing right out there? And what are they doing? What are they doing wrong? And um, one of the points they brought up, which was really telling to me, is they talked about um, where female viewers aren't represented well. Um, they talk about casting a believable female. He wrote, the modern TV and movie slate is filled with female lead characters who kick, kick butt, kick ass. But the, but the actresses can be maybe a little thinner and he said kind of scrawny is the word that he used um why is hollywood so afraid of a woman who has muscle i mean when we think about our you know when i was thinking about kylie taking the role of of an athlete of course the athletes i go right to are like katie ledicki or venus and serena williams and these are women you look at them and they look muscular um but nick points out that um that melissa benoist her stunt double in for Supergirl is Shauna Dugans, um, who is a woman with muscle. And Agents of Shield hired an American 
American Ninja Warrior Jesse Graff to do stunts. So in both of these, you know, and if you watch Supergirl and, and it's obvious when she's doing stunts that she is seriously buff. Yeah. Not maybe so much Melissa Benoist, but the woman who's doing the stunt doubles is like, it's impressive. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, coming up with realistic body types to go along with our, our female heroines is, is kind of important. Um, and actually, did you hear about the character Etta Candy and Wonder Woman? No. So I had never heard of Etta Candy, but I mentioned my friend Megan at the beginning who gave me all of her 90s glorious um, uh, female heroine sources. And she said that she saw recently a clip of the Wonder Woman movie and it included Etta Candy. And Etta Candy is Diana's best friend in the comics, the Wonder Woman comics. And she's gone through different iterations throughout the years, obviously, Wonder Woman's been around since the 1940s. Um, but in the 1940s, her iteration was a woman who is a larger woman. And, uh, and so they hired an actress who fits the bill for Diana's original friend. Um, it's an actress named, I think, Lucy Davis from the, she's known for the office. And, and and my friend Megan was ecstatic, like through the roof ecstatic, because at one point Etta Candy became a very svelte um, spy, and she was just hoping that the iteration they picked was some some you know included like someone that that she could relate to, um, and so they did, and and we're all very excited about that. That's so awesome. I'm looking, and I actually think Etta Candy is going to be part of the comic relief in the movie. So yeah. So that's going to be kind of cool. Now, one thing I'd like to bring up on this, and, and this is, I, I have to do this very delicately because I don't want it to become, um, uh, you know, I, I could very easily, with my privilege, put my foot in my mouth. So I've got to do this very carefully. But I wanted to bring up the character of Emma Frost, the White Queen in the X-Men universe, because she, she was one of, used as one of the examples in the movie pilot uh, article about women in revealing... Uh, costumes and the costume that they showed her and they even admitted is one of her more tame costumes because she often wears very skimpy clothing and that has always been her character and the reason why I bring her up is because she's been called out by other female characters about how she dresses and she talks about how it is a choice and how it is a um, you know, she, she knows she's beautiful. She uses it as part of her arsenal. And she kind of tell, explains to them that because she is choosing to do that, um, the, the woman who was calling her out, I think it was Kitty Pride, uh, and, and they've always had a, a rivalry of, of sorts. Um, and she kind of says, you know what, you're, you're, you're calling me out, but you're not looking at the full picture and you're just, a, you're making an assumption about the way I dress. And I always, that always kind of stuck with me as just an interesting point. I don't think that that goes across all versions of all female characters. I think sometimes they're just drawn by guys who want to draw unrealistic women. But I always thought that that was a very interesting take on that 
sexualization of women, she she knows what she's doing and she sees that as part of her agency. And I thought that was just kind of an interesting look at the um the conversation. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing, you know, obviously our listeners are getting my perspective and your perspective. And 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 the thing is is I'm not going to be the kind of person who's going to relate to the most beautiful girl in the room. That's just not the person I'm going to relate to. But that doesn't mean that there are incredibly beautiful women who are proud of the way they look and are not afraid to show it, who are total geeks and totally into comics and love the fact that there's a character like Emma Frost that they can relate to, who's super proud of the way she looks and the way that she is. Um, so, so totally a legitimate part of the conversation. I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. Yeah, I just think because I think often uh, that's what I do hear from a lot of, um, and again, I hate this term, but a lot of uh, geek girls, a lot of uh, female geeks, is that um, they they are judged based on how they look, and if they consider themselves a quote unquote girly girl and aren't you know hanging out in a um, you know a, a graphic tee and jeans, then you know they're their 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 presence at the convention is questioned. Oh, you're just wearing that costume to get attention. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a really legitimate point. So, so yeah, totally worth bringing up. It, it it totally fits in this conversation. So, so and what you know, and the fact of the matter is that the way that Wonder Woman was drawn at the beginning is. She was pretty sexy, but she was created by a guy with a wife who he perceived as being, you know, the epitome of the liberated woman of the era. This was William Moulton Marston, who is why I think I kind of give credit to both him and his wife, Elizabeth, as creating Wonder Woman for all American publications, which later became D.C. Um, in 1941. And and so in reality, Wonder Woman is Throughout the history, despite what her clothing has looked like off and on, she's always been kick-ass and represented a strong woman who's completely 100% okay with herself. So I think she's a, a good role model, and it's nice that she's been around for so many decades. By the way, fun fact, and I didn't, I didn't know this, um, but I always thought Wonder Woman was the very first female superhero. But she's not. <laughs> it's a character called Phantoma. Have you ever heard of her? Um, I I think I'm gonna look her up right now because I think if I see a um a picture of her, I will. Is it P H? It's F A N T O M A H. She's the mystery woman of the jungle, and she was created by Barclay Flag, which is a pseudonym for a woman. Fletcher Hanks. Really? So the very first, yeah, the very first female superhero developed just months before um, Wonder Woman hit the stands in 1940 was Phantoma, who was created by a woman. So I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. Awesome. And how do you spell it again? It's F-A-N-T-O-M-A-H, Phantoma. Um, I have no idea if you can get any. I mean, she was she had about four year run, so I wouldn't be surprised if you could find something about her somewhere. But I imagine it's a collector's item. So, I just by the way, to I see a, some images of the. That's kind of cool. She's kind of scary looking. 
<laughs> she's got like a, and I like, and I'm just saying that because her face is like in a lot of these pictures, it's like a skull. It's wow. A, yeah, it's very, um, it's it's very, I want to say Ghost Rider-ish without the flame. Oh wow, that would be scary. <laughs> um, I have another fun fact for you. Okay. Um, so apparently the United States has already had their first female president, and it was in 1943, and that would be Wonder Woman. Um, and what I learned, and I this has been news since July, so I don't know why I didn't know it, but I found out, and you probably know this already, but I found out that Linda Carter, I knew she was going to be cast, so she was the original Wonder Woman in the 1970s, and this is when I got into Wonder Woman, because... It was in the 80s when I was watching repeats of, of Linda Carter's Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. which I loved growing up. Um, she's got cast in the new Supergirl, and it was announced that she was cast as the United States female president. Um, so Linda Carter, who used to play Wonder Woman, who actually used to be the president of the United States for a short time in the 40s, um, is going to be playing the um, the president of the United States in the new season of Supergirl, which is starting pretty soon. That's awesome. On the I CW. Loved, I always loved Linda Carter. I always thought she was, um, I mean, just even, like, just her interviews, and she just seems like a really phenomenal lady. Yeah, yeah, she does. She's... I I was I was thrilled when I heard that she was going to be as part of part of the Supergirl world. So So yeah. So there's my fun facts for the day. Awesome. I love your fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite part of uh, one of my favorite parts of the web podcast is oh, yeah. when I hear a fun fact I'm like, "Oh, this is going to be good." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So by the way, one more thing from um Nick Kelly and his wife, Stacia, um, they they were talking about what's working, and they mentioned three heroes, um, Ray from Star Wars, mm-hmm. who qualifies as a superhero because the Force does give you, you know, superhero qualities. Um, and then Jessica Jones mm-hmm. and uh, and Dutch from Killjoys. Did you ever watch Killjoys or I, I Dark Matter? I just watched I just watched Killjoys this summer, and I love Dark Matter. I think both of those shows are so much fun. So much fun. It's so exciting to have that be something I can look forward to on Friday nights over the summer. Um, two shows back-to-back with totally kick-ass women as leads in both shows. And and you see ads for them, and they're wearing all this makeup, and it's so annoying. It's just like that ad I saw for the pitch that really turned me off. Um but the fact of the matter is, in all three shows, the women are playing, you know, really strong women. And they do not, I mean, of course, they're wearing makeup, but they don't look like they're wearing makeup. Right. Um, and, and I respect that, too. And I think that's cool. Yeah. There's a lot of, the, the, the good news is, is that there is a lot of things happening out there that are bringing uh, female superheroes to the forefront and, and making them present i think we're starting to get away from the damsel in distress i think we're starting to get away from only having to have um male leads so that they can be um you know a viable franchise i think we're starting to get the women toys into that and i by women toys i mean the like you know there's no excuse for ray black widow scarlet witch wonder woman not to be in stores like there's just not i don't understand that 
I, you know, and that was a big part of Christabel's podcast. And, and there were all these hashtags. We want Leia. Where's Natasha? Where's Gamora? Where's Ray? I was shocked and astonished when I found out that, that for whatever reason, the marketers of toys did not think that little girls wanted action figures. I used to play with, I used to play with Barbies too, but I still have a, my Darth Vader case of all my original Star Wars toys from oh, the you 70s. Have, you have the Darth Vader, I have that too. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so great. Yeah, I played with Star Wars toys all the time. I was huge into action figures. So why, you know, 50, well, 34, okay, I'm not 50, so <laughs> why, why 30 years later, you know, marketers of toys for kids, Oh, it's 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 horribly annoying. To my knowledge, this has changed. I don't think you can buy Gamora toys yet, but I'm hoping when Guardians of the Galaxy come back out, they do not commit the same crime they did first time around. Right. Um, but I heard that come September 30th, which is this week, the new Rogue One toys are coming out, and Jyn Erso is going to be front and center in the action figure toys, and Jyn Erso is the character Felicity Jones plays, the lead. So I'm crossing my fingers that this is a mistake of the past, that once again the companies are learning. I mean, don't they want to sell things? I mean, for crying in the night. Forget about whether or not girls are going to play with them. Uh, like, the completionist boys. Like... <laughs> I, I can't imagine playing with my Star Wars toys when I was younger and not having a Leia. I was pissed that I had missed out on a on a Luke and had to use Hoth Luke because, you know, he really didn't look like Luke in most of the movies. I'm like, wow. oh, my Leia, I don't think, has a face anymore. I played with her so <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, going back to our conversation about girls and boys, it was criminal to the beginning just to deprive boys of, of boys that want to play with female action figures. What?! Where did this opinion come from? It's seriously, I'm floored at the people in the upper echelons of these companies. And that's one of the things Chris Bell points out. He says that in 1983, 50 companies owned 90% of the media. Today, six companies own 90% of the media and they control, they control what we buy. They control all our media and, and they, and they're basically the ones that made the decision that boys don't want to play with girls girl figures and girls don't want to play with action figures therefore no Gamora no Rey no Princess Leia they were wrong and I think they've seen their ways but this is seriously it's 2016 I'm I'm like shocked yeah it, it makes no sense I mean, <laughs> come on guys yeah yeah crazy well this is not a problem that we are going to solve today but hopefully it is <laughs> Is moving forward, and we are starting to uh, to see those changes. I can't wait to see what what these companies have for us. I think as as they realize that that you know we need that diversity and we need that uh, we need those role models for both yeah. for both the girls and for the boys. Yeah, and for people of different sexualities and different races and different body sizes, um, just start representing, and it's happening. It's happening. Yeah. Slowly, slowly but surely. Very cool. Um, and and thank you to uh, to Nick Kelly and his wife Stacia. Stacia, who was freaking awesome, by the yeah, way. She she's is. in. Yeah, she's she's got a PhD. She's in the nutrition uh, nutrition world. So I was kind of um, fanning over her the other day on the internet. So so yeah, and they're both writers too. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm 
glad that they got to uh, chime in because uh, I'm a big fan of theirs. And, and actually, Nick is going to be on um, on my 50th episode. He's the, the guest I'm calling in for episode 50. That's awesome. Yeah. Alrighty, moving along and starting to close up for the day. Uh, any shout-outs you'd like to send out there? I I do. So the last time we talked, I think I shouted. It was a Mother's Day episode, and I shouted out to my two amazing sisters who are amazing mothers. And now I want to shout out to their oldest daughters. So my sister Katie's daughter is Sarah. Tomorrow she starts her very first day of college, and I texted her and I said, Hey, Sarah, who's, who are your female role models? I was just curious. She told me Michelle Obama and Ellen DeGeneres without hesitation. And I know. <laughs> and my and my niece, Alex, my sister Sammy's daughter, who's in her second year of college off in music school. Um, I texted her the same. And she she came up with J.K. Rowling. She said Elizabeth Warren and Tina Fey. And then I text them both and say, hey, so who are your favorite female superheroes? And neither one is really big in the superheroes. If I had said female female heroine, they would have had plenty to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, But both of them not really really knowing uh, much about female superheroes, both instantly said, without a doubt, Wonder Woman. And my my niece, Alex, said, aside from the fact that I don't know that many female superheroes, I dig that she is her own badass figure and not just a spinoff of a male hero like Supergirl or Batgirl. Um, so just just a tidbit from my 19 year old niece. Um, by the way, I do have another niece. Her name is Zoe. She is two. And she was recently just she's just finished potty training. She was recently just purchased some Supergirl and Wonder Woman um under things so <laughs> so she's you know two-year-old we've got it we're, we're we're hitting her hard from the start nice <laughs> well my my uh my shout outs are a little bit more general this this is this week did mark the one-year anniversary of the geek Dude podcast and so um first of all thank you mandy for for being here for i wanted to make sure i had a, a friend uh, on this episode because uh, I, I feel like, um, you know, it's a special episode. I wanted somebody special on here. Oh, thank you. But I also wanted to thank everybody who has made this year so amazing. Um, I'm not going to start listing people because I will in- inevitably miss somebody and feel bad about it later. But <laughs> to all the podcasters out there who have um, who have uh, become part of our family, our podcasting family, Oh my gosh, I love them so much. Yes, and um, all the guests who have given up their time to be on the show, all the listeners who have given up their time to listen to the show, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for making this just an absolutely incredible year. Uh, I went from having you know this little spark of an idea for a podcast and just wanting to do it because I, I listened to them to, to doing panels at conventions and... <laughs> recording a live show this evening with a different podcaster and uh, it's just kind of an amazing ride and I hope the the next year is is just as exciting and crazy and different as as this one was. So thank you everybody for for uh hanging with us for this year and, uh, <laughs> and continuing on as as we move forward. Oh, that's awesome. 
Uh, I meant, just mentioned that I am going to be on the Jack of All Nerds uh, podcast tonight, but next week, the host of that show, Michael Maxwell, will be on this show, and I think we're going to be talking, as his name uh, suggests, about all things nerdy, and a little bit about what he does on his podcast, so that is coming up next week. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. You can currently find us at geektitude.com, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you would like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude, or me personally at Epic Grays. Uh, where can we find you, Mandy? Or WEC Podcast, W-E-K-K, on Facebook, and at WEC Podcast on Twitter, and WEC Podcast at gmail.com if you want to send us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, definitely give it a listen. It's one of my absolute favorites, and uh, they're, they're a fun group of people. You cannot leave that, that show without smiling. thank you thank you thank you again for being on the show today thanks Joe I'm your biggest fan man (laughs) (laughs) likewise likewise. and for all of you listening out there remember this week keep it geek